Life is full of interruptions. Whether big or small, we've all experienced disruptions to our rhythm of life from time to time. It might be difficult to see at first, but what if those interruptions set our lives on a new path? A new way of living, a new way of loving and leading. No matter what circumstances you face, God uses life's interruptions to bring about unexpected purpose and blessings. A life interrupted should be a life embraced, not escaped. What the world sees as defeat, we see as opportunity. For God makes all things work together for the good of those who love Him. Good morning, Sugar Creek. It's such an honor to be united with you in your home, wherever you're watching this from, and share God's word with you. My name is Libin Abraham, and it's a joy to share a few weeks as Pastor Mark is, is away for a few weeks, getting some time to rest and just a renewal vision, a, a visual, a vision and some time with his family. I want to welcome you for wherever you're joining us today. Uh, although we're having to be socially distant, we are more connected, I believe, through our mission, through the Spirit of God than ever before. So do me a favor, wherever you're watching this from, let us know which city you're in on Facebook or YouTube or Church Online. Drop in the comment box where you're watching this from, and it'd be pretty cool to just lean in together all over our city, all over our nation, and just celebrate being together. In fact, all over the world, there are people who are tuning in live today. I want to just give you a reminder that on your app, if you want to follow along the sermon outline and message notes, if you go to your homepage on the Sugar Creek app and go to the worship tab, there's a place for you to fill out message notes, and we invite you to do so today as we hear from God's word. It was May 27th, 2016, and it was on a Friday night, and I was packing my bag for an early morning flight to Chicago to do a wedding. And my flight was supposed to leave at six in the morning, and I'm packing my bags, and I had planned to return at two o'clock the next day. And so I would leave at 6 a.m. and come back by 2 p.m., and I'm doing a wedding in Chicago. So you might wonder, well, why the short trip? All right, here's the deal. My wife was 38 weeks pregnant at the time. I know I should have known better than to plan a last minute trip like that, but I really thought this baby would stay on our schedule, that he or she would stick to our plan. In fact, it was a daughter, so I really thought she would stick to our plan. So I'm packing my bags around 8.30 on Friday night, and Stacy tells me, mm, I think I'm feeling a little pain. I said, well, the baby isn't due for another two weeks, so we should be good. So I kept going, and 30 minutes later, she tells me it's still there. So I had the great idea, well, I'm just going to read to you my sermon for the weekend. And maybe that'll take your mind off of things, and you'll forget about it, and your pain will go away. Well, I began to read my sermon script to Stacey, and I think my sermon just compelled this child to come out because her contractions kept speeding up. So needless to say, I stopped packing my bag to Chicago, and we picked up our hospital bag, and we headed towards the hospital. I don't kid you. We pull out of our driveway and it is pouring like crazy storm like I've never seen before. There's literally a tree that's fallen down at the end of our street. I was like, what is going on? So we're on the way to the hospital and I realized, you know, I've heard that these labor and deliveries can take quite a time, quite some time. And I hadn't eaten for a long time. So I know you won't think it's true. I leaned over to Stacey, who is in labor, by the way? And I said, hey, babe, can we just go through a drive-thru real quick? This is for you and I. I'm doing us both a favor. Let's grab some food. I'm a horrible husband. I know you're totally judging me, but my wife was so gracious. We went through a quick drive-thru at Burger King of all places, and we headed to the hospital afterwards. And four hours later from when we arrived, we met our little sweet girl, Avery Lee Abraham, at 4.30 in the morning. 
And I leaned over to, to Stacy as we just had Avery and I said, so do you think I can still make my 6 a.m. fly? Now, that's a joke. I did say that, but probably not the right time for that joke. Now, why do I say all of that? I say that because I had plans that got majorly interrupted. Like I had an agenda, a schedule, a plan that got thrown out the window and it was completely outside of my control. I had nothing to do with that moment changing, but it did. And for many of us today, that's what this year has really felt like. I mean, we entered into 2020 thinking this was going to be the greatest decade of our life. This was going to be the year of perfect vision, 2020, do you remember that? Of double blessing. This is going to be remarkable. And maybe those, still will, those things will still happen. But I think if you were to be honest, every one of us could say together that this has been really a year of interruption, major interruption. It seems like everything we've planned this year has been interrupted. If you're a planner and you bought a 2020 calendar or a planner, you've probably thrown that thing out of the window because you got tired of crossing out, canceled, canceled, postponed, asked for a refund. Because everything seems to have changed from sports leagues to the Olympics, to weddings, graduation, to schools, even gathering together for worship, even those things. Normal rhythms and celebrations of our life have absolutely been interrupted. Maybe you're watching and your life has actually gone through much more serious interruption. Maybe your health took a deep attack this year by this novel virus. Maybe you lost somebody you knew because of COVID. Maybe you lost a job or had to close the doors on your business. Maybe something drastic changed this year and you're not sure what you're going to do. And in spite of all this, or in the middle of all this really, our nation is feeling again the, the pains of racial injustice as the unhealed wounds of our history are being peeled back. Now, in light of everything, here is what we do know for sure. Here's something I need you to know and be reminded of today. What we know is simply this, that God is still in control. God is still in control in this moment. I love how Psalms 103 puts it in Psalm 103 verse 19. It says, the Lord has made the heavens his throne. And from there, he rules over everything. God has made the heavens his throne, really the earth his footstool, and he rules from there over everything. And that verse is true today. It's true this year. It's true right now. God is not checked out. He is not aloof. He is not distant. He is not surprised by the things you and I are surprised by. From where he is, he rules everything according to his sovereign plan. And we can trust him. Look, God has never had two moments. He's never had an aha moment or an oops moment. He's never had a moment where he realized something new or he learned something he didn't know prior. And he's never had a moment where he felt like he made a mistake. Those two things have never happened to God. So I want you to know God is still on the throne. He is still in control today. So that's what we know. That's the good news. But here's what we may not know. Here's what we may not know. If God is still in control, then why does my life seem so out of control? If he's on the throne, if he's still in control, then why does it feel like my life is out of control? How do I reconcile my life's interruption with God's sovereignty? How do I reconcile those two things together? My life has been changed, it's been interrupted, but yet God is in control. He is sovereign. How do I figure out how to fit 2020 into God's perfect plan? How does it all fit together? Those are real questions, real struggles you have right now in this moment. 
Now, I'm not gonna presume that we can answer those big major questions in the next 20 minutes or so we have. But over the next four weeks, we're gonna give you some frameworks of how do you approach this? How do you look through the interruptions of life and still see the plan of God, the purposes of God in your life? And to get us started today, we're gonna look at a verse from Proverbs written by King Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In Proverbs 19, Solomon writes like this in verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Two key words I want you to grab a hold of, plans and purpose, plans and purpose. We have plans and God has a purpose. Solomon says many are the plans in a person's heart. He's saying, look, this is a little word picture that Solomon is giving. Our heart is like a a factory. It's constantly devising, producing, coming up with new plans all the time. And that's true. You have so many plans. Plans for your career, plans for your family, plans for your education, plans for retirement, how to spend your money, where to go on vacation. And during this whole season, we made plans, we changed our plans, and we canceled our plans time and time again. Our heart is full of plans and plans are good. We need to plan. We need a blueprint for what we're gonna do in life. And it's true the saying that we mentioned a few weeks ago, failing to plan is planning to fail. So plans are good, but notice what Solomon says next. Many are the plans in a person's heart, comma, but. Many are the plans in a person's heart, comma, but. I was reading this verse a few weeks ago and I thought, I wish that conjunction and that interruption and the sentence wasn't there. Like I just wish it ended there with a period because I like my plans. Don't give me a comma, just put a period there and end the statement. I like my timeline. I like the flow of events that I've planned for my life and I just wish they would just stay there. Many are the plans in a person's heart and let it be so. That's the way I felt when I was 20. I literally had dates and places for the rest of my life. Here's when I was going to graduate with my pharmacy degree and here's when I wanted to get married and here's how many kids I wanted and how I was going to live my life so comfortably. I had pretty good plans, I thought, but I did hear once that if you want to make God laugh, simply tell him your plans. Simply tell him your plans. And I do feel like in my life, on my expense, God has had a few good plans. Solomon says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but that sentence is interrupted. Our life is interrupted. And we would finish that sentence something like, many were my plans, but then a global pandemic swept through. Many were my plans for my retirement, but then the economy took a nosedive for the worse. Many were my plans to graduate, to get married, to start a business. You fill in the blank, but it all got messed up. It all got interrupted. It all got changed outside of my control. But look at how Solomon finishes, how God's word finishes that statement. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's a better ending. I love that ending. Many are our plans, comma, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So here's a few things I want you to grab a hold of. First of all, we can count on our plans to change but we can also count on God's purpose to prevail. We can count on our plans to change, but we can count on God's purpose to prevail. In fact, it's inevitable. Your plans, your schedule will change 
the outline of your life, the timeline for your family will probably change, not just once, but time and time again. Your plans will change. Everything we devise in the human heart, in our soul, will be interrupted. But while our plans fail, God's purpose prevails. While our plans fail, God's purpose prevails. Notice how God said it in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24. Surely, God says, as I have planned, so it will be. Someone, someone needs to hear that deep in the spirit today. Surely as I have planned, so it will be. As I have purposed, so it will happen. God says later, to the Israelites while they're in their Babylonian captivity. Notice what God says in chapter 46, verse 10. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I want to encourage somebody today. Yes, it seems like your life is falling apart. Yes, it seems like your plans have changed and failed time and time again. But I want you to know today that God's overarching purpose for your life is not contingent on a pandemic. It's not contingent on COVID-19. You might have had a change in life. You might have had an interruption in life. Your plans might have changed. But today, my friend, God's purpose for you prevails. It cannot change. It cannot be overruled. Why? Because when God took into your life the account of this year, when God wrote out a masterpiece for your life, a blueprint for your life, he had already taken into account this crazy year. Psalm 139, David tells us that every day of our life has been written before one of them even comes to be. And guess what? In the journal of God, in the book of God, every day for 2020 had already been written into the equation of our life. And it was on purpose that God allowed us to go through this very moment because our plans will change, but his purpose prevails. God's purpose for our life will prevail even when our circumstances change. God's purpose for our lives does not change even when the circumstances of our life change. So today, this year, maybe you had a job loss. Maybe someone died in your family. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe your business had to close down. I don't know what circumstance in your life has changed. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe you went through a horrible season of your life. And you're wondering, God, how can you do something good from this? God already took all of that into account. And his purpose will prevail even when circumstances change. And even when the plans you had for your life fall apart. You can count on your plans to change. But more so, you can count on God's purpose to prevail. Second of all, I believe Solomon is saying that at times, God has to interrupt our plans in order to align us to his purpose. There are moments where God has to come into our plans and interrupt them in order to closer align us to his perfect plan, to his perfect purpose. You and I have both had experiences where we had a brilliant idea. We had this remarkable plan and when we saw it carried out, guess what? It wasn't so great. Or we had a moment when we had a plan that didn't work out and it fell through and we were devastated in that moment. But in hindsight, we were so grateful that our plans didn't quite work out. You broke up with him or her, they broke up with you and 
You were devastated and then a few years later you found out they were crazy to begin with and you were grateful. You were pretty upset when you didn't get that job at that big business you wanted at that huge corporation. But then they filed for bankruptcy and you were thankful. See, life has taught us that it's a good thing when sometimes our plans don't work out. And here Solomon is saying it's a good thing when you may have all of your plans, but God steps in, he intercepts your plan, and rather than your plans being carried out, God's purpose is carried out. That's a really, really good thing. We make plans for our life with finite understanding, but God fashions his purpose for us with infinite wisdom. We, I, you, we make plans for our life with limited knowledge, but God fashions his perspective, his plan, his purpose for our life with an incredible wisdom. We have a short-term perspective. God has a long-term perspective. God is all knowing and he fashions his purpose. Get this, have been seeing the end from the beginning and everything in between. That's the beauty of trusting the purpose of God. He has seen the end from the beginning and he's seen everything in between. I love Romans 11 as Paul has for the last 11 chapters laid out the beauty, the wonder, the mystery of the gospel. And he has talked about how our plans of religion and trying to please God has failed time and time again. We can never earn our way into heaven. We can never earn our way into the presence of God, but grace prevailed and God's purposes prevailed. So on the backdrop of human failure, on the backdrop of our failure of planning, God's purpose for salvation and redemption prevailed. And when Paul gets to chapter 11, he ends chapter 11 with a song of worship, with a song of praise. As he's thinking about the prevailing purposes of God, this is what Paul says in Romans 11 verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of God? Who has ever been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For for him and through him and from him are all things. Therefore, what do we say? To God be the glory forever. Because in hindsight, when we see the purpose of God that prevailed instead of our plans, what happens is worship, it's gratitude. We see how beautiful God's purpose is. We see how amazing his plans are over our own. And we say, thank you, God, that you intercepted my plans with your purpose. That's why Paul could confidently say in Romans 8, all things, for we know that all things work together for the good, for whom? For those who have been called according to his purpose. For those who are committed to the purpose of God, who are saying, God, I want your purpose and not my plan. I'm committed to your purpose for them. All things, the hard moments, the bad moments, the failures, the change, the interruption, all things work together for the good. See, if we really believe that, that's one of those verses that we like to say, but I don't know if we really believe. If we really believe that if we're committed to God's purpose, all things do work out for the good, then this is what would happen. We would not escape the interruption of our life. We would embrace the interruption of our life. We would embrace it, trusting God, knowing that all things will work together for our good. Interruptions are not obstacles to our plan. 
They are opportunities, opportunities, not obstacles, but they are opportunities to fully embrace God's plan for our life. Don't see them as interruptions. Don't see them as something to push back against and fight against but embrace it as an opportunity to say, God, what do you want to do in my life? What's your prevailing purpose? C.S. Lewis wrote it like this about this very topic. He said, the truth is of course that what one calls the interruption of precisely one's real life, the life God is sending one day by day, what one calls one's real life, quote unquote, is a phantom of our own imagination. Lewis is saying there's no such thing as a life without interruption. If you think there is, it's a figment of imagination. It's a phantom. It doesn't exist. But your life is going to be filled with interruptions. And in fact, God is precisely allowing that very thing to happen so that he can draw you closer, give you fresh priority, give you a glimpse of his perspective in your life. So ask yourself this question. What could be God's prevailing purpose in this interruption of my life? What could God be doing? What's he saying? What's he doing in my heart, in my family, in my career? How is he getting my attention to a greater purpose than I've ever seen before? There's this one big idea over the next four weeks that I hope you grab a hold of, and it's simply this. Life's interruption may actually be God's intervention for our redirection. Life's interruptions may actually be God's interruption, his invitation for our redirection to set us on a new path, to give us a new perspective, to allow us to get a glimpse of his greater purpose in our life. I went through such an interruption, I think when I was 19, and it was a Saturday in December and I was sitting in the back of our Sunday school room in church. I was on the worship team and after rehearsal or practice one night, I was just so desperate, wrestling with a call to ministry and wondering, God, what do you want for my life? Because as I said, I had this amazing plan written out, but God was calling me to something different and he interrupted me in that evening of that church. And what that caused me to do was leave everything. I would leave Chattanooga, Tennessee where I was and go to Dallas for six months, leave family, home, familiarity, and just wrestle with God. God, what is this call to ministry all about? What do you want with my life? Everything in that season changed for me. Everything at my core was interrupted. My plans got thrown out and I had to wrestle with, God, am I gonna escape this interruption or embrace it? Am I gonna be obedient to your voice and do what you're saying or push it aside? I had no idea what it would mean to embrace it, but I'm so glad I did. My life was interrupted, but in the interruption, I found purpose. I found meaning. And maybe that's something that God is doing in your life in this very moment. Sometimes God has to interrupt our plans to align us to his purpose. And lastly, I think Solomon is wanting us to understand, and the scriptures are teaching us one more thing. While God's purpose will always be better than our plans, the process may be way harder than we imagined. While we know that in hindsight, his purpose is good, his promises are true, and it'll be better than our plans, and you will know that. You will look back on this very year, on this very moment of your life in five, 10, 20 years, and you'll have an amazing story to tell your kids and grandkids about what happened this year. While we know that in hindsight, his purpose will be amazing, the process, what you're going through right now, your season in this moment is harder than you imagine. That's the struggle 
Purpose is good, but the process is hard. There's a verse you and I both know all too well, Jeremiah 29, 11. This is an encouraging, uplifting verse. For I know the plans, says the Lord, I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now we read that verse and we say, yes, sign me up for that. I love that plan to prosper me, giving me a hopeful future. Yes, we're all for that. That's the purpose. That's the promise in verse 11. But did you know what verse 10 says? Verse 11 is the promise. It's the purpose. But verse 10, the one verse before, it's the process of how you get to verse 11. And here is what verse 10 says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Oh, if it just ended there, we wouldn't say yes to that process. God says, I've got a promise for you. I've got a purpose for you, but it's going to take you 70 years of captivity, 70 years of a lack of freedom and hardship. See, the purposes of verse 11 could only be had through a 70-year process of captivity. Yes, prosperity sounds good, but it came through a 70-year process of captivity. I think in our time, in our nation, in our generation, we want the promise of God, we want the purpose of God, but we don't want it to be hard. We don't want it to take so long. We don't want to go through interruption after an interruption. But for the Israelites, it took 70 years of interruptions for them to get to the promise of God. You ask Abraham, and he would tell you, God had an amazing purpose for my life, an amazing promise that I would father nations and that my descendants would be as numerous as the stars. But let me tell you, I had to embrace an interruption where I left home and family, my country, my people, and go to a land I didn't even know where it would be. Not only that, it took 25 years between the promise and its fulfillment, between being given the promise of descendants and my first son of promise. 25 years. The process was hard, but the purpose was good. You ask Moses, he would tell you, I was living in luxury, in great comfort in Egypt, but I had to embrace an interruption of life. And that led me to 40 years in Midian, a wilderness as an exile in the middle of nowhere. But it was that 40 year process that gave me the glimpse of God's purpose to be the deliverer to my people, Israel, to get them out of 400 years of slavery. You asked Joseph and he would tell you, I was my family's favorite. I had dreams and visions for my life, but I was thrown into the pit and then sold into slavery. And 13 years went by between the promise and its fulfillment. The promise was good, the vision was good, but the process was hard. David would tell you it took 15 years from him being anointed king to actually being king. And in those 15 years, his life was threatened on the line multiple times. Isaiah would say that for me to get a glimpse of God's purpose in my life, my favorite king, King Uzziah, a king of 50 years had to die for me to see God and to get a glimpse of his purpose. The disciples would tell you, we were just going through our everyday routine. We were fishermen, we were tax collectors, we were this and that. But then this rabbi came and said, will you follow me? Follow me, will you leave everything behind? Would you let me interrupt your life? And they embraced it. Paul would say, I was on the way to Damascus, chasing my dreams to kill Christians. 
But then I was interrupted in the middle of my journey. It blinded me for three days. I had to leave everything I had worked so hard to build. But the purpose was good. The process was hard. The Old Testament saints would tell you it took 4,000 years between the promise of a Messiah in Genesis 3 to its fulfillment in the Gospels. 4,000 years of silence and captivity and hardship. The process was hard. But the purpose, the waiting, was worth it. It is true that God's ways are higher than our ways. But it is also true that his ways are harder than our ways. God's purposes will be better than our plans, but his process may take longer, require more sacrifice, call for more endurance, and ask for more trust. While God's promises are good, his process may not make sense to us in the moment. It may not make sense right now. Just think about this year. I know this year has been hard for you. Maybe even devastating. But haven't you been more prayerful this year than any other year before? Haven't you had more sweet moments of being with family and searching out, crying out to God for revival? Haven't you become more compassionate to others because we're in this together, in this global crisis? Haven't you had a moment of clarification God, what's my priority? What's life all about? I believe you have. Let me tell you, this process is hard. This year is hard. But God is doing something good in you. God is doing something good in your family. Something that will build you, not destroy you. Something that will equip you, not steal or take from you. The promise is good, but the process is hard. Every single individual whose story and name is inscribed in the larger narrative of redemption in the scripture. They have a common thread that they carried. They had plans which got interrupted. And they had to decide, am I going to escape the interruption or will I embrace the interruption? And when they embraced the interruption, as hard as it was, and as long as it took, as hard as the process was, they realized the purpose was worth it. They would tell you over and over again, we had plans, we have plans, but God has a purpose. And wherever you are at today, and whatever seems to be falling apart in your life, our plans will fail. But God's purpose, it'll always prevail. Maybe you're watching me today, and you don't know Jesus. You're far from him, and you've got a plan for your life. And my friend, can I just tell you, God will never fail you. You need him. And it's good for our soul to be encountering Jesus, for us to be interrupted in the core of who we are and allow God to lead you to the purpose of grace. He wants to forgive you, he wants to save you, he came for you. Would you invite him in? And would you let the interruption of your life cause you to lead you to the sovereign grace of God? Jesus is calling for you, he loves you. It's never too late today. Your interruption is an invitation to him. Allow him to be the Lord of your life. Take the next step this morning. Would you pray with me together? Wherever you're at, would you bow your hands? Maybe gather your family together. Let's have a moment of prayer. Father, we admit we hate interruptions and we do try to escape it. But today, may you give us a fresh perspective. When plans change, your purpose stands. It prevails. And into the interruptions of our life, will you clarify your purpose in this season? What are you doing? What are you wanting us to see? God, we're open. We want to hear your voice. We want to sense your power, your spirit, your presence. And we say yes 
to the interruption because your interruptions, God, are usually interventions leading to an amazing redirection. So redirect us to grace, redirect us to salvation, redirect us to repentance, God. Call us closer to you now than ever before. And if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who is far from God, not sure on which side they stand in eternity with you, today make it so plain and clear that they can know you as Savior, as Lord, and not as judge. We thank you for this moment of redirection for many. We embrace it. We say yes to it. All this in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.